Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. It is Saturday, August 20th. And this is your, uh, I was almost going to say daily financial news. It is not your daily financial news. This is your live Q&A. We do 60 minutes of live Q&A. If you'd like to ask me a question, go ahead and feel free to put it in the comments. You want to say hi, as Tamika has uh, put it in the comments. Good morning, Tamika. How are you? Um, yeah, let's just have some fun, see what's going on. I thought what I would do here is riff for just a little bit. Uh, as people join and ask some questions. I want to talk about the housing market as we exit summer, right? We are about to enter September, uh, fall. We're going to enter uh, winter shortly thereafter. And when I look at the rest of the year, I think there's a couple of things that you and I can count on. One, foreclosures, right? I think foreclosures are going to go up. Now, I think there's going to be a lot of YouTube channels that say things like foreclosures up 143% or maybe foreclosures up 441%. These are people that don't understand the context of the last bubble. They're going to try to compare this one to the last one, and it's not even close. Having lived through, invested through, saw the pain and suffering of the last crisis, I hope we never repeat that. There were, there were families destroyed, hundreds, thousands, millions of families destroyed because of that. Uh, but I do think that just mathematically speaking, we are going to see foreclosures go up through the end of the year, in, into the winter. Uh, I just saw a report, I think I talked about it on the Daily Financial News today, uh, where foreclosures are actually down 4% month on month. All of these numbers are almost laughable because there was just over 30,000 foreclosures initiated last month. For context, we were doing 2 million a month uh, at the peak of the last crisis. So we're, we're barely 1% of that. I think there's a very good chance that by the end of the year, uh, we could be over 100,000. Again, for context, heading into 2019, uh, it was not abnormal to have months of 150 to 200,000 foreclosures. Uh, if we get into a recession where unemployment doubles and it goes from three and a half to seven, it could be a little worse than that. I don't see any, um, I don't see the, the forced sellers coming from there, but there will be some. There will be some. There, it's just life happens death, divorce, sickness, just. You know, things happen in, in foreclosures, you know, that that's that's how banks take back the collateral. So I think I think it's I think it's reasonable to assume uh, that foreclosures, which again, last month was about 30,000 uh, by the end of the year, we could be up 300 percent, 400 percent by the end of the year. Not earth shattering, not abnormal, not crazy, not a catastrophe. 
Uh, but maybe we get back to kind of a more run rate of 100 to 150,000 a month. My thoughts there. The other thing I'm thinking about is inventory. I'm really thinking about inventory. Um, I think we're sitting, you know, based on the last report at about 1.32 million active listings. Uh, I think there's a chance we go up this month slightly, you know, maybe 1.35, 1.37, something like that. But then I think something happens in September, October, November, December. I think, again, you can go back and look at this month-on-month data. I think we're going to end up lower at the end of the year. And we've been struggling to get back to kind of the quasi 2 million number active listings, kind of a rough and tough balance market, 1.9, 2.1, something in there. I don't think we get over 1.4 million active listings. I think the Fed is so broken, the housing market. We're going to have years. I don't, I don't even, as I sit here right now, I think, I think getting above 1.5 million active listings next year might be tough. A lot of next year is still unclear to me because I don't know where interest rates will be. I don't have a good feeling. I don't know. Will interest rates on the 30-year fixed rate loan be 6%, roughly what they are today? Will they be 8% and really, really, really hammer the market? Or... Will we get this great Fed pivot that everybody wants and suddenly we're at 4%? I think housing has three different outcomes based on mortgage rates. If you're talking housing crash, you're probably also saying mortgage rates are 8%. If you think housing goes to the moon, you probably think mortgage rates are 4%. I have, I have no idea as I sit here today. And then the last thing, affordability is is a real problem. The the Fed broke housing. They have they've disturbed the natural order and process of home buying, right? First time move up, you know, luxury. And uh, a lot of people are going to stay put through at least one if not two or three life events. But we also have buyers who are, you know, I think we lost something like 13 or 14 million buyers when rates went from three to six. Makes perfect sense, right? It's a lot easier to afford a home at 3% than it is at six. If we keep rates at six, most of those buyers are out for a while. I do think we have wage inflation. I think wage inflation is stickier and, and more of an issue than currently being reported. But wage inflation is not a get-rich-quick um, way to fix this, right? Wage inflation, and Dion, thank you for the, uh, what are those called, super chats or whatever they are. You're, thank you. Smash that like button, as Dion says. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Um, we've got to realize that uh, buyers, and this is, this is kind of where I'm going next year, right? When we look, we, have, we also all know that we have... Um, we have an election in November, right? We all know that, right? Midterm election. We all expect changes. Who knows what it'll be, but changes will happen. 
I wonder what the government's going to do, right? Because again, if 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 this channel's right and we have housing transaction crash that gets worse from here, and then we get into January, the new Congress is sworn in. Would it be crazy to think about one of their first knee-jerk reactions is, hey, let's go fix the housing market. The housing market is broken. Let's go create a first-time homebuyer program. Let's go create 40-year mortgages. Let's go, let's go, let's go. That is something that I, um, frankly, I see coming. Uh, I think... I think the housing market has to go through an adjustment. I think the government won't let it. I think they just feel like they have to do something. It's broken. We have to fix it as opposed to let it just heal itself over a couple of years. Uh, and if that happens, folks, there's going to be artificial demand created in the wrong part of the market and that's first time home buyer. Again, we we have all these move up buyers stuck. They're not going to suddenly sell. So all we're going to do is create more demand for scarce properties and unfortunately prices will go up. So those are things that I look at in the housing market. That's what I see coming. Uh, yeah. It's 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 interesting time. So again folks, remember that today is for you. I'm going to go ahead and scroll back to the top, see if I can answer any and all questions. Let's keep it going. So Tamika, good morning. How are you? Johnny, good morning. How are you? Nathan, good morning. Anna, good morning. Uh, welcome. Thank you, Better Home Rental. I appreciate you. Corey, is the following a reasonable statement? A consumer-based economy can only thrive if most of the population is terrible with money and spend everything. Uh... Uh, I think I see where you're going. I, uh, can, uh, most. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, uh, so what Corey is really highlighting there is we're a 68% consumer-based economy. Uh, the other 32% being government and business. And yeah, it, it, the economy moves, you know, on consumerism. That is a correct statement. And, um, Thrive is a word. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, a consumer-based economy does really, really well when people are really, really bad with money, really built, really bad with credit. Um, you certainly get GDP growth. Yeah, it is. I mean, just think about it. I mean, Corey, just kind of play the other side. What would happen to the economy? If every single American saved 5%, just snapped your fingers, magic happened, we all saved 5% of our money. The economy would almost come to a screeching halt. It's, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. We, we, we have an economy that is based on cheap debt, uh, people who don't save, who spend everything and then some. Yeah. I think that's a fair statement. Paul V, good morning. How are you? JC, how are you? John, good morning. How are you? Dion, smash the like button. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you. Dion in the house. Yep. Matt, 
The strategic petroleum reserve is still being drained. When they stop draining it or, or completely drain it, can you imagine where price of oil will go? Yeah, I actually haven't validated that yet. I have looked around. It does appear that they are still uh, tapping that, which is foolish at this point. I mean, isn't oil under 90? Um, so first off, I don't think there's any chance we completely drain it. Let's not, let's not, yeah, let's, come on. That's not going to happen. At least I hope not. Um, I don't see it happening. Uh, I To your point, though, at some point, we are going to have to fill it back up. I, f I fear, I fear personally that we, we fill it up in the, uh, winter months, right? Uh, eventually we've got to put it back. We got to fill it back up. And, um, if we have to fill it back up in November or December, when, you know, Europe and, and all these other folks are, are struggling to heat their homes and oil's going to go up, oil's going to go up. Yeah. It's, um. It's a it's a it's a problem right it's a problem right out in front of us, and as we just saw, when oil or gas right let's just be clear gasoline got to over five bucks, I think that was a national average for a couple of weeks, um, really slowed the economy down, and gas and oil is in everything right, um, it could be a very expensive winter it could be yeah. Good morning, E.T. How are you? Sean, do you think the Fed will have to become even more hawkish after the new Inflation Reduction Act actually adds to inflation? Uh, I think the Fed has to be more hawkish, period. I don't really know that the this I'm not even going to call it an Inflation Reduction Act. That is so comical, right? It's, it's another 700 million in spending. Um, it's uh, inflation is and has always been a monetary phenomenon. Too much money chasing too few goods. It seems like, you know, government wants to spend money. You know, it's red or blue. They like to spend. It's facts, and. Uh, yeah, inflation is, uh, I'm watching core inflation. Let's be very clear. I actually started talking about this with the last report, right? I'm like, okay, headline's going to go down, but core is going to go up. Core did not go up. It stayed flat. Uh, but I'm watching core. I think core was, what, 6.3, two months in a row? That's really your wages. That's rent. That's really everything else in the economy. If inf uh, I read somewhere, so I haven't validated it yet, but mathematically it makes sense. If we have another, the rest of the months of the year, inflation is zero, right? Month, month, monthly inflation is zero. Headline inflation will still be over 6% at the end of the year. That just tells me the Fed has to be more aggressive. But there's a lot of folks. I mean, there's, I actually think there's probably more folks I think there is. I think there's more folks today that think the Fed pivots by the end of the year. I still think the Fed raises at every meeting. There are three meetings left. There's a lot of people that think I'm crazy. And they, you know, they're probably right. Uh, but that's what I think. I think I think they I think the Fed is gonna talk dovish and act hawkish, which is kind of reversed to what they used to do. The Fed used to talk hawkish and act dovish. 
I think they know. I mean, you have to. The only way inflation has ever been beaten is at some point the Fed funds rate has to be above the rate of inflation. Today, the rate of inflation was 8.5, I think, 8.5, and the Fed funds is two and a quarter. That's still a negative interest rate. It's still a negative 6% interest rate. It's crazy. You can still get negative rates. It's crazy. So, yeah, I think inflation is going to be around much longer than people expect. Hey, Jesse, how are you? Jeffrey, yep, puppies in the house. Did you purchase your first three multifamily properties in the same geographic area as your single family buy box? Just watched your video uh, from 21K to 2 million. Um, no, uh, my buy box went from the Mayfair district, which was what I looked at for five years, right? 93703. Uh, apartments were more spread out. No, they were still in Fresno County, but they were in they were actually in three different zip codes. One was uh, a five unit kind of residential area. One was a 10 unit building around other 10 unit buildings. And then the 13 unit building was down a cul-de-sac of other bigger apartments. It was like the smallest on that street, as I recall. Actually, I think across the street might have been an eight. But it was like 1347 and like on the end it was like 100 and something 47 and i think there was an eight across the street so yeah they were different areas by that time we'd been in the business at you know i don't know five six seven years yeah yep what are your thoughts on brian lebo's latest video regarding lake mead impact on las vegas house i wish i could tell you i haven't watched it yet i will probably watch it this weekend um, I'm still trying to catch up from a, um, vacation. So I, I have not watched it. Was it any good? Did you like it? I saw it was 20 minutes long. Uh, he and I have been texting each other. We, we might get him back on the channel, but honestly, I haven't seen, um, I haven't seen the video. So I have, I have no comment. I like Brian though. Obviously I like Brian. Do you think the new members of the government are going to try to fix housing market immediately like November, December, or gradually? Uh, again, I, you know, my guess is as good as yours. Um, I don't think the new people get in till January. I believe the election is November, but I believe they're sworn in in January. So I don't think anything happens in November or December. I suspect, uh, by March, uh, again, if, if, if November goes how I expect it's going to go, where there's a split government right now, it's, it's all democratic, right? Um, where the Republican take the House or the Senate or both, right? As long as they take one, we, we essentially have a lame dunk president the rest of the two, two years. Nothing gets done. I think the only thing that they probably all can agree on, or at least mostly could agree on, is housing. So again, if we get a split government after November, you know, by January, they're throwing stones at each other and yelling at each other like they do every day. And then by March, they try to do something, right? And I think one of the few things they could agree on is probably housing. Um, so that's kind of what I see. You know, uh, again, I'm a free market guy, so I think government intervention in a housing market is a disaster. 
I think I think the dangerous words are the government is here to help. That scares the hell out of me. Never works out well. Um, but that also doesn't mean they're not going to try. <laughs> they have a, they have a history of trying. Um, yeah, so that's what I think happens. I think they could probably take several runs at it. Yeah, maybe March. It's like, hey, here's a forty year mortgage only for owner rock homes with five percent down, and oh, here's a down payment assistance program, and oh, here's this and here's that. It could happen. I don't want it to. Let, let me be clear. I want housing to heal itself. I want affordability to network down as people make more money. All right, because again, affordability is a problem. You fix it with one of three things: lower rates, lower price, or higher wages, or a combination of all three. You know. Yeah. Jeff. Hey Mike, great work. Just wanted to leave positive comment today. Appreciate everything you do, Team Sunny. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. Thank you for all your comments. Uh, I've never taken any of the comments negatively, at least not that I remember. But thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Scott, as a W-2 worker, would you stay in one, uh, whoops, in single or one to four units if you were to restart your investing journey all over again? Oh, that's a good question. Um I would tell you the heart of one rental at a time is buying the best deal. Uh, I think there are uh, content creators that love to say bigger is better. Uh, I like to mathematically prove that bigger is not always better. It's bigger. It Bigger is better sometimes. Um, bigger is better, I don't think works today, you know, 2022, August 2022. Uh, I think bigger is better might be very true. January of 24, November of 23. I think there's huge amount of pain coming to syndications. I think there's a lot of LPs that uh, invested with other, other famous names that are going to get, get got. They're going to lose all their money. They're going to be upset. I think some syndications will get hurt badly when they do capital raises or their debt resets. I wouldn't touch a me personally today. I'm not touching multifamily like five and above today, unless it's off market. You know, if an, another seller wanted to sell me a portfolio and I can work out the deal, great. But on market apartments today, no, thank you. They're all grossly, frankly, I would sell apartments before I would buy them today. So today, I'm buying anything I can with 30-year money, which means residential. That's a today thing. That's a 2022 thing. That's a probably most of 2023. But I think there's a time in the very near future, 24, 25, 26, that I might do my biggest deal ever. Right? I, I'm, I'm setting up to do what I did in my book, One Rental at a Time. I would love to sell a bunch of house. Like think think about what I just said earlier. I'm buying houses today, residential, one through fours. Uh, I think it slows down. I think the government comes in and intervenes next year and does something stupid. They are going to increase the demand for first-time homes, which when you do that, prices increase because demand demand does nothing for supply. It just out of whack supply demand. And then what happens when all these syndications blow up? 
I 1031 out of expensive homes into apartments. I did a video this morning at 7 a.m. talking about how Norris Drive, a $21,400 down payment turned into $2.3 million in assets in three moves. I want to do that again. And I have a lot more than just Norris Drive today. So I look forward to that. So I think it's a combination of all this. I think residential today, but you know, you we, when you can, I bought, I have bought, everybody talks about buying foreclosures. I've bought apartment buildings that were foreclosed. They were ugly, disgusting, uninhabitable, just horrible. But you know what? You throw a hundred grand at them and suddenly they look nice, smell nice and are full. I look forward to doing that again. Real estate is cyclical. It's all cycles. You just have to watch it. It's why I look every day. You can see it coming. It never happens as fast as you want. Do the work every day. Know your buy box. Figure out average. Only do great deals. Today, it's a, you know, act like it's a buyer's market. Ask for closing costs. Ask for rate buy downs. Don't pay list price. Write a lot of offers. Go find your great deal. This is not a time to sit back and do nothing. If, if you, if you, yeah, just don't, you, you just never know when you're going to find a motivated seller. You're just not. You just don't know. Take your shot. Rates will dictate over inventory. Um, I think what you're referring to is kind of my comment about where do rates go, where do inventory go? I see them as separate. So I wasn't trying to create an order. I just have two riddles in my head today that I can't answer. Um, and if you're trying to say rates are probably more important or more impactful than inventory, I think you're right. I think that's fair. I wasn't, I wasn't trying to create an order. <coughs> I was just saying, Hey, I have two questions that I don't know the answers to today. If rates stay at 6%, I think the market just kind of plods along. Nothing, nothing great, nothing terrible. You know, it doesn't, doesn't fall out of bed. Doesn't go to the moon. I think rates go to 8% next year. We got real problems. I think rates go to four. I think people would be shocked what happens. But let's just say rates stay at 6%. You still got to fix the inventory problem, right? If we don't get up to 1.7, million active listings, housing, it's hard to correct when demand exceeds supply, right? It's, it's hard to, you know, rebaseline and get more affordable. It just naturally pulls higher, right? If you if you have a supply of 100 and there's a demand of 400, guess what happens? You get multiple bids and, you know, wave conditions. All right, so 100 and 400. Well, let's, let's instead of doing 400, now we have 120. But instead of 100 here, we have 60. You're still out of whack. So, yeah, I think they're both. But, yeah, I think you're right. I mean... I was never I wasn't looking at it that way. At least I wasn't yet looking at it that way. But yeah, I think rates are probably more consequential to your point, I think is what you're saying. I think that's fair.
if oil is going down, something is moving up to make it zero monthly. Yeah, of course. Yep. Yeah, rent, rent, rent. Yeah, rent. Uh, any chance San Francisco can rise from the ashes like New York City did in the 90s after being dystopian tape type city? Uh, first and foremost, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you know me at all, I hate San Francisco. Hate it with a passion. Uh, I hate it so much that I gave up one of my lifelong goals of being a season ticket holder to the Warriors because they moved um, their uh, stadium there. I just can't stand it. It's unsafe. It stinks. It's just bad. Uh, but yeah, I mean, San Francisco is still a major city. Uh, it will be back. Uh, it has to bottom out first. I, I think I don't think it's bottomed yet. I think there are, I mean, Craigslist. I think I reported on it this morning. Craigslist has an office building in downtown San Francisco. It is 78 or 73% vacant. They've been trying to sell it for a long time. They just whacked the price 40%. I think there is going to be tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of vacant office space in San Francisco by next summer. <coughs> San Francisco leaders basically flipped off the tech industry and said, we don't want you. So tech left. And now they're like, whoops. Nobody came back to replace them. So I think San Francisco has uh, some pain ahead, but it'll be back. It's a, it's, it can be a beautiful city if it's led by good, good politicians. It will be back. I have every confidence. It will probably make some people gazillionaires. If you can come in and be like Sam Zell and buy at the, you know, buy at the bottom and just hold. You're going to make a gazillion dollars. So yeah, it'll come back. I don't think San Francisco is going to, it's going to you know, go to zero or something like that. Uh, Brandon, uh, Fred Pivot makes absolutely no sense to me. I agree. Uh, but I got to tell you, I talked to a lot of money guys, a lot of money guys. And, um, most of them, if you gave them true serum, most of them will tell you they expect the Fed to pivot by the end of this year. <clears throat> I think they're crazy. But again, they're, they're, most of these guys are running big money. And, um, you know, I'll listen. I don't see it, but I'll listen. Yeah, I'll listen. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see it. But they, but, you know, will they eventually pivot? Absolutely. I just don't think it's this year. I think a Fed pivot before next summer, like one year from now, one year, 12 months. And by pivot, I mean cut. I don't mean pause. I think they pause in Q1, maybe Q2, probably Q1. But a cut, an all-out cut, uh, it could be next summer. Yeah. Jeff, do you think student loan payments will ever resume? Yes, I think they will. I don't think they resume this year. It's, it's uh, yeah, I see no chance that they stop, that uh, student loans resume uh, before uh, January of next year. It's, can you imagine, can you imagine letting student loans start back up 
which they're supposed to start up September 1st, I think. Um, <coughs> yeah, I think... Um, yeah, they're, yeah, they'll start. They have to. I mean, that's, what, trillions of dollars or some crazy number? But I don't think they start up this year. Get Thatch as a guest. Thatch has been a guest on the show. He's a very, very busy man. Uh, we are we we text each other all the time. So I'll I'll see if I can redo that. Get him back again. That would be fun. Hey Romy, good morning. How are you? Eric, uh, I don't believe political change will flip the market. People have been trained to be looking for a home. Fed needs to not drop the rate more in order to let things balance a bit. Uh, okay. I certainly hope the government stays out of the way. I mean, hopefully I said that, right? Free market guy. Let the market do what the market's going to do. I hate uh, I hate bailouts. Uh, I really hate stock buybacks. I think that's just a lazy form of executive-based compensation. Um, yeah. Don't take any more vacations. We missed the videos. That's funny. I appreciate that. Uh, I will be taking, I, I hope to, I honestly hope to take a vacation every 90 days. So uh, we, we will, uh, we will see what we see, but thank you for that. I appreciate, I appreciate the message behind that. That's very nice of you. Michael, good morning. How are you? Theo, I see a lot of price drops in my market. Does that mean homes weren't priced right to start? Same size, same area. Single family have prices all over the place. Uh, yeah, I mean a price drop. Yeah, I mean uh, I think that I, I think that works for homes, for computers, for cell phones. I think a price drop. Uh, I, I, there's nothing magical about a home. Uh, you only drop the price because you're not getting what you're looking for. Uh, you drop a price in real estate to go to the high, go you know, go to the top of the order because a, a price drop is an update and updates, you know, the, go to the top of the list. Um, yeah, they weren't, weren't they? Yeah. So they weren't priced right. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people coming out with wish pricing, right? They missed the, they missed the top. They want to try to get the last little drop. The question you and I have to answer. And I just talked to Brian Lebo about this yesterday. Um, he's starting to see a lot of withdrawals. Basically, you have a 450 house in a 400 market. You listed at 450, you drop it to 435. Nothing happens. Instead of instead of moving it to 400, you stay put. You just take it off the market. I think there's a you know one of the reasons I think inventory falls as we head to the end of the year is I think 10, 20, maybe 25 percent of active listings today are bogus. Think about that. Look at, I mean, look at your market. Your, your market has 500 active listings. I'm willing to guess 100 of them or 20% are wish pricing. And maybe they're not ever going to sell and, and the owners are going to stay put. Could happen. I mean, housing moves a lot slower than people want. People are still calling for a crash in November. And uh, on a national level, we'll still be positive uh, by the end of the year. Uh, when you look year on year, it's um, housing is housing is a wild thing to study because it's it's very sticky. Um, you really need forced sellers and waves of forced sellers to destroy a market, which I don't see. Um, 
yeah, I mean, you can go back to the SNL crisis. You can go back to the Great Recession. You can go back to when the military pulled out of San Diego. You can go back to the oil shocks of the 70s. If you want to see really, really, really bad price declines, you need lots and lots of forced sellers all to hit the market at the same time. It's actually why I'm afraid of Canada. I don't own anything in Canada. I can just read what I read. And the fact that Canada has five-year arms is first frightening. But then they adopted these five-year arms with trigger rates. If all those reset at the same time, oh, watch out. Canada real estate could really get hammered quickly. Waves and waves of forced sellers, not good. Really, really not good. I'm I'm very nervous for Canada. Uh, Pit to NYC. Two-part question. Not challenging you, but I know you love the 30-year fixed. I'm looking at 11 unit and am being quoted a non-QM, 25% down, 6% interest, 6% closing costs. Ugh. I've also heard most people sell refi within five to seven years, so still... Again, these are these. This is this is uh, you know, I will again. What I do is not financial advice. I'm just answering what I do. I spent a year, and and if you've been watching my channel, Pitt, uh, which I think you have, I spent about six months getting all of my apartment buildings on thirty year debt. I don't want interest rate risk. I don't want to become a forced seller. Go look at my 52-year spreadsheet. You and I have no idea where interest rates could go. Interest rates could double. That's what they did in the 70s. Think about that. If interest rates went from 5% today to 10% by the end of the year, and you have to you have to refi, uh, you have to refi in you know 2028, that could be that could be a bad ending. So I um, the 52-year spreadsheet scared me. I, my crystal ball is broken about tomorrow, let alone six years from now. So um, I took the action of, of locking in rates sub 5% and some sub 4 on everything I could. I will not do an arm deal the next two years. In fact, the only debt I will take with a balloon is seller financing. And the only balloon I will accept is 10 years. But no, I'm not getting any arms on anything. Uh, but again, you do you. If your plan is to be in and out of that 11 unit in five years, you do you. Um, I won't be doing that. But uh, as you guys have seen, I'm wrong all the time. So, but yeah, I uh, I don't want to. I know I don't want to be a forced seller because my rate changed. That's that's a risk. And that I don't want, frankly. Hey, Scott, how are you? Eric True? Oh, do you care to speculate on how long it will take to solve the chip shortage? It seems like it's a big drag on everything. Uh, sure, I'll speculate on anything. That's always fun for me. I've done little to no research on it. I think the longer term answer is we got to make more chips here. I think the fact that uh, uh, 
we have uh, we we rely on supply outside of our borders for something that clearly makes our economy grow is uh is an error in judgment that we need to fix. So I think the long-term answer is we need to become self-reliant. Uh, chip fabs take years to build. Um, so I would say, you know, to be self-reliant, probably 2026, 2027, 2028, something like that. So years, years down the road would be my wild-ass guess. Dan, you're very welcome. Uh, I'm glad it, it helps. That's appreciate. Uh, have you heard of Peter Zihan? I have heard of him, yes. Talking about the end of the world? Wow. That, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Demographics, yep, okay. Oil is artificially going down due to SPR release. I mean, it certainly doesn't. I mean, that's. I think that's kind of one-sided. I think. I think we've really had demand destruction. I think China's. I think. I think the world is slowing down. Um, so I think there's true demand destruction. But yeah, you have you have demand destruction into a rising supply. That's. Guess what happens? Prices go down. It's, it's economics 101. Um. So I, I think that's a little. I think that's a statement that the right would scream, um, which I think is accurate, but also incomplete. I think there's truly demand destruction. And when you have demand destruction and artificial supply, prices go down. That's supply demand 101. Yep. So I think both things are happening. Of course, I do my best to answer all questions. Uh, Dividend Dave, good morning. How are you? Hamad, would this be a good time for creative financing and get into creative real estate? I think that is that you couldn't buy otherwise. Uh, I think I've been very clear on this. Um, one of the reasons I just got back from an event where I spent thousands of dollars to go to um, is because I'm trying to learn more skills. Uh, I've done seller financing, but I've never done true creative financing. Uh, I think I think the next two years to possibly the next four years could be a time where you're deploying less cash and you're controlling more assets via creative financing. I think uh, so yeah, I think I think it's I think it's right out there in front of us. I think the reason creative financing didn't dominate the last crisis was because the debt structure was toxic. I think what we've given us in this crisis um, that's in front of us is an asset called the 30-year mortgage with some of them under 3%. 73% of mortgages are under 4% according to John Burns Real Estate Consulting. Follow them on Twitter. That's an asset. Certainly an asset I want to get a hold of. So yeah, I I I I am very weak, very weak. Never done it. I understand it. 
maybe at the 100,000 foot level, I got a lot of work to do. I have bought a lot of homes in the MLS. I've done some seller financing. I've done private money, but there are so many other avenues in real estate I have no idea about. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, I plan to learn more. Again, kind of say what I do, do what I say. Yeah, I plan to, I plan to learn more, yeah. Economy is strong. Fed can't pivot. I agree the Fed can't pivot. Fed hikes till middle of next year. Mm. Maybe. I don't see it. I see a Fed rate hike the next three meetings, so every meeting this year. I think they're going to want to take a pause. Maybe they, maybe they do it in January. You know, maybe they may do one more raise first first meeting in twenty three. I I would I would bet I'd bet a dollar that they pause in Q one. I don't think they cut. Don't don't take me wrong, but I think they pause. I think they pause in Q one. Yeah, I think so. I agree. You can't have functioning capitalism without bankruptcy. It's kind of part of the um, it's part of the math, frankly. It's why bankruptcy exists to clean up, yeah, bad decisions. Yeah. Start over. Yeah. Don't forget the thumbs up. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you for looking out. Oh, quiet one. 30 to 40% of wish pricing, if not more. Yeah, it could be. Could be. It's it's it certainly it certainly feels like 20%. But that's why it's it's wild out there. I it's why I, I really do think active inventory falls. Right? We peak probably peak this month. Probably peak in August, but then go down September, October, November. It's it's pretty wild. Nature, your mental health, or we'll only have two amigos. <laughs> Better home rental. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, uh, yeah, I would love to do a trip every ninety days. It doesn't, you know, doesn't have to re- doesn't have to be an airplane ride. But yeah, we're we'll we're, we're hopefully be taking some more vacations. Hopefully, four sellers will be i buyers and thirty percent of sales to investor speculators. I buyers, yeah, i buyers are really interesting. Um. There are some markets that are being decimated by iBuyers today. Phoenix comes to mind. And uh, iBuyers in Phoenix are going to have to make a choice. They can either keep grinding lower, trying to sell one at a time, or I think at some point they go, they call up some hedge fund and go, hey, how do you want to have a thousand homes in Phoenix? That's what I think they're going to do. They're going to just come to some meeting. The CEO of, you know, is going to come around and go, hey, Enough's enough. Let's take a reserve loss of 10 million bucks. Call up, you know, three different, you know, call up American homes and homes for rent or whatever the other big ones are. And let's get a bidding war and let's sell all of our Phoenix inventory. And then poof, inventory's gone. Or they could turn around and go, you know what? Screw it. We already own these things. 
for the most part, they're repaired. Let's just become landlords. Let's wait for the market to return. Poof, inventory gone. So I don't think iBuyers, I, I think iBuyers need to go bye-bye. It's a horrible business model that had wrong compensation, that destroyed markets, and they're losing money. I mean, yeah, talk about burning hundreds of millions of dollars. They're just crazy. Yeah. And then as far as the speculators, I don't know. I mean, flippers maybe. But I mean, if you're a buy and hold investor and you bought last year and you have a three on your mortgage and rents are going up, why would you be a fourth seller? I, I don't see that. Yeah, I don't see it. Uh, Four million mortgage rates adjusting up in the UK in the next year. One million homes sell a year in the UK. Supply is likely to more than double. Woo! Oh, I had not heard that about the UK. Ouch. That could be a problem. Yeah, that could be a problem. Uh, even at 6% closing costs, which I had the same reaction, the numbers still look decent. Wow. Yeah, I saw that 6% closing cost. That's a big number. Um, I would probably get the seller to pay half of it. Think about that. That's what I would do. I would, I would ask the seller to pay 3%. Then, then it only comes out of pocket for you, 3%. Yeah. Very welcome. Any thoughts on the impact of climate-related issues on real estate investing, buy and hold? Should we take any of this into account when buying? Uh, if you if you're investing in a market where climate could destroy things in the next couple of years, yes, you probably should look at that. Uh, Brian Lebo's video on on um, God, I already forgot Lake Mead. I, I again haven't seen it. Somebody asked earlier, haven't seen it. But let's just say Brian Lebo said Lake Mead will be uh, uh, the Mojave Desert next year. Vegas is going to zero. Yeah, that that'd be a problem. Uh, but if you're if you're looking at a model that says um, thirty years from now these three variables will happen and this that or the other, that's too far away. I'm a firm believer that technology uh, over the course of time will will fix things that we don't think are fixable today. So climate is a problem. The world is getting hotter. I have been I have been I don't know if anybody knows this, but I've been to Alaska three or four times and I have seen the glaciers recede noticeably. Like I have pictures of us 15 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago. You can't argue the, 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 the globe is getting warmer. Um, but I also think technology will eventually reverse some of that. At least that's my belief. So if it's right in front of you, like Lake Mead going to zero, Next year, yeah, consider it. If it's 30 years from now, I'm a firm believer that technology and innovation will address it. That's kind of what I think. Mike, how would you calculate the yield when the entire price of the investment home is on a HELOC? Well, HELOC has debt. debt that's your mortgage payment. So that... that 
you know, you're buying a hundred K house, taking all of your HELOC. There's a payment there. Um, yeah. So, um, that's all debt. So in my spreadsheet, you're not putting any cash down, but it's all debt and then make ready and repair. So it's, it's just your debt payment. Charlotte, charlatan. My local paper has four pages of share sales for county back real estate property taxes next month. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. That's fun. Could we have a deep dive on asset protection in the future? Sure. We could do that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ben, thank you, thank you. No drop in prices in Phoenix homes are sitting on the market and sellers are not dropping price. Huge price drops are only the iBuyers and imaginary valuations. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so it's... it's um, yeah, this is a transaction crash uh, as we've talked about. Um, yeah, we, I've been calling a transaction crash for six months. It's here. It's important. It's it's going to cause a depression in the real estate market, uh, probably an economic recession, as housing is often done. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. What are your thoughts on solar panels for rental properties? I don't do it. Um, in fact, people that watch my channel know I'm trying to build an ADU. I just got the unfortunate news uh, that in order to get my ADU approved, which again is a measly 602 square feet, I have to install soil, solar on my little ADU. And my uh, initial reaction is F, F, forget you, F, not happening. Uh, so all of these extra requirements that California keeps throwing at, you know, hey, build build some small homes, build some tiny homes. Okay, I'll, I'll do my part. Now they keep just throwing more and more costs at me. Uh, I just got that note yesterday. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to actually ever build an ADU. I don't, I don't like California demanding, telling me what I can and can't do. Solar panels to me don't add rent, but they add expense. They add risk. I have no interest in doing that. So the real answer is, if I am absolutely required to put in solar panels on my ADU, I will not build an ADU. Because it doesn't do anything for me, the landlord. Just increases my costs. It's crazy. So not a huge fan. Yep, Tamika. Yeah, winters aren't nearly as cold. Oh, wow. Colder in the 48 states. Woo. Uh, what would it take for me to leave California? Olivia. <laughs> That's the answer. Olivia. If she wanted to leave, we'd leave. She doesn't want to leave. I'd leave in a heartbeat. I mean, my dream, you know, if I had my magic wand, we'd, we'd have three condos in three different countries. One of them would be the U.S., obviously. Um, we'd, we'd travel the world every four months. That, that would be my dream. But um, 
Yeah. Uh, any experience with air properties? Are they in the four sellers? Yeah, uh, I've bought several estate properties. It's a process. It's a legal process. Um, that would be a, a considered a forced, a forced seller for sure. Uh, Keith, uh, welcome to the channel. Uh, I would look every day. I talk about having a buy box. Uh, fish for motivated sellers. Uh, I'm only looking at days on market greater than 30. Uh, I don't look at first day listings anymore. Kind of the same stuff. Um, only write great offers, get closing cost credit, rate buy downs, ask for the moon. As buyers, you have power. Uh, although you have to realize that Tampa is one of the hottest markets in the country. So, you know, you got to do the work every day. Got to do the work every day. So, all right, everybody. Uh, I'm going to call it four minutes early because I need to get ready for our Zoom deep dive with PropStream uh, that we will be doing for my students. Uh, again, uh, it will be live on this channel tomorrow at 9 a.m. Uh, we don't hide anything on this channel. I just do it with my students so I can control the questions. So we will see you. Uh, if you're one of my students, we will see you in that uh, PropStream Invite is in the Facebook group and also went out on Teachable yesterday. Have fun. Take care. Bye.